You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. How's it going, Grump? Sorry, we're uh, we're a day late, everybody. Uh, the Cranky Fan doesn't know AM from PM when he booked his flights for his travel this week. He booked a AM flight for PM and thus was unavailable to podcast last night. So put that in the dumbass category for me to see i thought i couldn't see you just because of all the bullshit flying in the air yes you know it's like you know in empire strikes back when they're trying to go through that asteroid field and everything and they're just trying to get out of the way of all the stuff that's everything that we're navigating through on our path to draft day and the regular season coming up because shit is flying like one's business yeah i mean the the media is gonna love this like this offseason in particular because there's so much the giants can do people are flying around jpp gets shipped off that's big news some big contracts are signed um there's a complete overhaul we got new coaches everything is up in the air everything is on the table so it's important to note that everything is on the table so gettleman mara tish you know, agents, all these people are going to say whatever because everything is right. on the table and, and they don't want to tip their hand in any direction or take away from anything that might potentially be there. So if you hear something that sounds sort of like Gettleman is leaning towards a QB at two or if John Mara thinks that Eli has five more years, it doesn't matter. Everything is yeah. on the table. Nothing we hear means anything. When something happens, it'll happen. Right. And, you know, one of the things that Reese was being criticized for was tipping our hand prior to the draft. So, you know, we don't want to do that. You know, we want to keep everybody guessing. You know, it it doesn't make any difference if we say what we're going to do. It'll only hurt our prospects what we can do. So, you know, we all know where this conversation is ultimately headed when we start talking about Odell Beckham Jr., but put him aside for one minute. If you see some hot take headline from Tom Rock or any one of these guys who, you know, reputable reporters, very credible, but at the end of the day, it's all about clicks and it's all about subscriptions and it's all about Twitter followers. And that's when you get into hot take land and, you know, the giants. Yes. They're one of those teams that gets a lot of attention and yes, there's a lot of moving parts, but you know, when we get to Odell Beckham, that's one of ESPN's greatest hits where they just can't get enough of, you know, LeBron, 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 Beckham, 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 Tebow, Tebow, Tebow. And then so anytime manufactured or not, it's going to get into their heavy news cycle with you know the car wash of all of their platforms. So just Chuck D once said, don't believe the hype. You know, what's really funny is, uh, you know, Jerry Reese was famously tight-lipped and, you know, all of his press conferences said almost nothing. He only had about three a year, and yet everybody in the league knew what we were doing. Gettleman, on the other hand, has had 
more than three press conferences already, and he's saying everything from A to Z, and no one knows what the hell we're doing, including the reporters that have sources in the building. Yeah. So, you know, that should be clue alone. You know, Jordan Raynon has had his his fingers to the pulse of the Giants organization for the last couple of years. And his sources have given him nothing this whole offseason. That should tell you everything. That I think truly everything's on the board and truly a lot of people within the organization have nothing to tell these beat reporters. And remember one thing to be fair to someone like him is that when you have a new regime, you have new sources too. Some of people course. that really, you know, some people that were maybe right up Jerry Reese's ass you know, in the organization may not have that direct pipeline to a Dave Gettleman now. So you have to take a little bit into consideration, you know, now there's a change in, in regime that there might be a change in information and how much the organization from the top down wants that information to be dispersed. So it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I should clarify that wasn't like a, um, a slight against Jordan Raynon. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that a guy who normally had, when he when he wrote something, you could almost count on it being true, is now no longer the case. That's all. Yeah. So And that happens. I mean, you know, when I'm sure there are guys plugged in to Bill Belichick up in New England, you know, the the Boston media who, you know as much as a creep as Belichick outwardly appears, he probably has his guy or two who he likes to disseminate information from. And at some point Bill Belichick will no longer be the head coach of the New England Patriots and that his spigot of information is probably going to go away. So again, what you're hearing now, you're going to hear things frontwards, backwards, up and down. Don't believe any of it. Just let the whole process play out. And now let's get to Beckham because again, I think this is a complete non-story. It is a non-story. It's it's all a non-story. I mean, first of all, the Giants would be not – Gettleman on Dow would not be doing their job if they didn't at least kick the tires on every single person on this team. I think John Maris said the only guy who's untouchable is uh, – Nate Solder, Solder because of his because contract. He's, he's literally untradeable because of the contract. And he said it kind of in a joking way, but it's true. Everybody else, I mean, if somebody calls up, you know, let's say Jacksonville – and Tom Coughlin called and said, I really want Eli Manning. I'll give you two number ones. We're not going to at least listen? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, this is funny. I just said Eli Manning, and my Siri just went off on my phone and said <laughs> he's currently the quarterback of the New York Giants. Well, there you go. That settles that. All those rumors can go to That rest. is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Eli Manning is the quarterback of the New York football Giants. Yeah, now- and, <laughs> and as far as Beckham goes, uh, you know, a lot of this – maybe kind of is incentive to get him to show up and settle their contract things and meet somewhere in the middle and maybe get 18 million a year instead of 20. It also came out of thin air. Uh, This story originated from a reporter that had no sources. He's been wrong about everything all the time. He's a hot take reporter who has never been right about anything. And then it got picked up by the regular news cycle. And then, John Mara and Dave Gettleman were forced to answer questions about it, which added more fuel to the fire until today. It ended pretty abruptly with John Mara saying very clearly, I don't know how much more clear I can make this. He's a giant. I want him to be a giant. He's not being shopped around. 
And you know something? And that might be bullshit too. I it mean, could be. You know, and it's something – it's not the worst thing in the world that this is going on either because it's not a distraction. I mean you think that Gettleman and Mara and Shermer and the wide receiver coach are all bunkered down somewhere trying to do damage control and spin control and having a war room handling this? No. It's something that you know, the Twitter sphere and talk radio – and all these different people are getting all up in arms. But it means nothing. There's nothing that could be done right now. I mean, Grump, is, is Beckham even cleared to practice right now? Uh, medically, you mean? Ankle? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I don't think he's had the passive physical yet. So Kenny is even cleared to do OTAs. Not that I know. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, again, is it the end? I mean, it would be nice if he's there with a new coaching staff to, you know, but it's not the end of the world, and you know something? He's going to hold out. It's 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 going to happen. At the end of the day, is it a big deal? Not really. So I don't I, you know. The video of him with the uh, the chicken Paris, he's a 24 year old A list celebrity who can bang any model he wants. Be concerned if he wasn't. I mean, come on. There's the, that's not a distraction to the team. That's not a distraction. That's not a negative. That's a TMZ a, story is what that is. Exactly. Well, ever since EM, ESPN's become TMZ, these things become bigger stories than they are. But, but guess what? Joe Namath was screwing models at a, you know, a fantastic rate. Will Chamberlain, 20,000 chicks. It doesn't, it's not a big deal. I mean, him headbutting or, or, or kicking a, a, a net. Who gives a shit? These these are made up, trumped up stories that get lots of clicks and they increase ratings on talk radio. That's it. They're not trading him. For anybody who thinks they train because he's a distraction does not know the first thing about football. They don't know how the salary cap works. They don't know, you know, you can go through all of the, you know, the great wide receivers in the last 20 years. They all have baggage whether it's manufactured or real and you know you want to compare him to a guy like um terrell owens yeah geez i, I you know i'll take my chances with beckham oh sure not plastico burris yeah plastico burris is a moody guy who shot himself cost a team a team that was like eight and one at the time a, a potential to go back to the super bowl yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Um, and the only thing Beckham is a distraction to is the fan base. And if, if this team were a winner, nobody would care. Yeah. So. And quite frankly, who cares if the fan base is distracted? I mean, it doesn't. That that does makes no difference to the grand scheme of things anyway. Um, you know, if you thought the giant offense was bad last year because Beckham was out for eight or nine games, think how bad it would be if he's permanently gone. You're not going to replace that talent, you know. You're not also not going to get the major haul that you think you're going to get. True. You know, it, it, if you're trading a number one overall pick, that's one thing. You know, trading Beckham right now, you're not getting nearly what you think because he still hasn't been signed yet. <laughs> yeah. You're you're basically, you know, general managers are not stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, this is all nonsense and. It's unfortunate to log onto Twitter and not be able to read anything besides this, but we encourage you to stay strong and just ignore it. Um, That's right, man. We're Meadowland strong here, so. 
It it won't. It, it's gone away for now. Now that John Maris cleared it up, but don't think it's the last time that this kind of nonsense is going to go on. The moment well, he picks be- his nose on camera, it's going to be. Yep. Oh, absolutely. The moment. Well, you know, it's going to happen when we get to that first uh, OTA. That's what. That's the next time this is going to flare up, unless he bangs some other model and some, you know, yeah. who has an Instagram account who's desperate for attention. But you know something? Let's go through the same cadence again. You know. You know, people will complain that he's too much of a distraction and enough of everything. They'll want him gone, and you know he won't be traded. So, so we'll see you back there for that one. Yeah. Um, in less intense what? news. Yes. Um. Uh, we're gonna cover defensive line prospects. Uh, going into this season. So, this was kind of a fun exercise for me. I've been so honed in on. Four three defenses and schemes, you know, the last forever years that um I actually had to do some real digging and looking at three four prospects. Um James Betcher has already said and we we've seen from his tape uh as defensive coordinator for the Cardinals that it's not a strict three four meaning these defensive linemen are not going to strictly two gap, which is to say be run stuffers, um, and just clog up two different gaps, one on the left, one on the right. Um, so there's going to be some four, three looks. There's going to be two, five looks. Uh, this is really hard to break up positionally because, you know, safeties like Derwin James are probably would, would fit in this scheme as a safety and also as a rush linebacker and also as a cover linebacker and also as a slot corner. And it's all the way he moves things. So the more versatile a prospect is, the more likely they would be a fit for this defense. Well, Grant, before we get into the prospects, why don't you go really quickly through the current roster of what we oh, have? Yeah. Sign of course. And say, you know, do we have any people that are perfect fits? Do we have guys that are not at all fits? I mean, you know, how did JPP fit or not fit into this thing now that he's gone? What's your overall assessment of the current roster as of, you know, the taping of the show on a, a late Tuesday in mid-March? Yeah, um, there's some guys who are perfect fits. Uh, the easy ones are Damon Harrison. I mean, he came from a 3-4. He's a nose tackle, probably one of the best in the game. Probably the best in the game. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson from Alabama. Um, also, you know, not quite as big and as dominant as Snacks, but same kind of mold. Um, newly acquired Kareem Martin is a great defensive lineman, but hybrid outside linebacker as well. Plays the run really well. JPP in himself was a good fit for this defense if he were to strictly play as a lineman playing in the three technique all the way out to like the six technique where he's got one foot in the ground uh, and will drop into sort of a zone or whatever, but for the most part would be playing that five technique defensive tackle where he's just kind of setting the edge, stopping the run. He's he's pretty, it, pretty damn good at that. So the trade away course- for him was not because he didn't fit. Or was a questionable fit. It was simply, it was a good deal. Yeah, and also you had mentioned on previous shows, Grump, that we're not paying him. Yeah, to be what he was. We're you know in the new scheme and what he'd be doing best at. We can get a lot cheaper. Exactly. It yeah, made, it made no sense. As a as a four three defensive end, he was getting paid to be a premier pass rusher. That's not what he would probably be in James Betcher's defense. I would say eighty percent of the time. So the ludicrous contract that he would get would be just insane. More ludicrouser. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 
when we look at the defensive tackle position, like I said, Damon Harrison is a perfect fit. He's a projected starter. He's going to play nose tackle, you know, maybe slightly off to zero shade technique or something like that, but mostly lined up right over the center and two gapping, probably. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, same thing, but he has a little bit more versatility because he's a little bit smaller. Um, He'd probably be, you know, an ideal fit as well. I don't know about Robert Thomas. I don't know that he's really going to stick around now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple free agents out there that are good. Like Jonathan Hankins would work really well in a three, four. So would Benny Logan. Um, but I mean, given, given what we already have at that position, would you even bother? I think it always falls back on that same question. We always ask at what price, mm. you know, if we can pick up a Hankins pretty dirt cheap, it's, it's it's possible. I mean, do you think that's something that we can probably get a little further down the draft actually and go even cheaper? Well, that's interesting. So when I was thinking about this, I was like, why am I even bothering to watch these prospects when we have Snacks and Dalvin Tomlinson? And then I thought about it, and, you know, Snacks is not a Gettleman guy, even though he is a – did no complaints from anyone about Damon Harrison's game or that he's lived up to his contract. But nevertheless, it's a deep, heavy contract – and Gettleman didn't write it for him. So is there a chance that we draft a really good guy and pair him up with Dalvin Tomlinson, rotate them, and then get rid of that contract? Yeah, I'd say there's a decent chance. Not a good one, but a decent one. So, or, yeah. or we get a really good one just had this amazing rotation. No, yeah, or that. Go, I mean, he has said you know, his axioms of building a team are run the ball, stop the run, and rush the passer. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I mean, when when you look at the draft board, the the number one guy that seems to pop out at everyone is uh, Vita Vea from Washington because he's gigantic. I mean, he's six five and three hundred thirty pounds. But when I watch his tape, I don't really like him that much. He's big and strong, but he's not quick or fast. Um, you know, he's a great two gap defender, but he has sloppy hands and footwork. Uh, he tends to fall over. His weight is all over the place. Like he doesn't keep it underneath him real well. He's not too quick off the snap. He offers nothing in the pass rush. But most of all, what sticks out to me is that he sometimes just looks average against average competition. So if you watch us tape against Penn State, which is not this dominant O-line, he's really just getting pushed around. So he's probably going to go in the first round, but he's not Vince Wilfork, in my opinion. Right. <laughs> Where do you see my boy Brian from Florida? Uh, Taven Bryan, I actually don't see in the three, four that much because he's almost strictly a three technique guy. I mean, it's somebody we could certainly use and he's probably either the best or like the second best at that in this draft. He's really quick, shoots gaps really well, but he just doesn't have the right size that you would need on a down to down basis. You know what I'm saying? And he doesn't have the length to rotate to the outside and just move around a lot. So it would be essentially a guy who would play only a couple of downs for us. So I see him more in a 4-3 defense and being really, really good at that. I mean, you saw him more than I did. Amazing growth. I mean, really, there were big question marks on the defensive line for Florida going into the season last year, and they remain throughout the year, but he was certainly not the problem, for sure. He kind of came out of nowhere and really exploded. I mean... He might have been like probably a sixth or seventh round pick before the season started, and he burst his way up to probably a first round pick now. Yeah, first or second for sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think in in the old defense he would have been somebody we should be leaping towards the uh, the podium for. You know, as Jay Bromley really never lived up to that three technique thing, and you know, pairing him in a four three with Snacks would just be would be great. Uh, but those days are kind of gone. So the the actual the guy that I would focus on if they were to do this at all would be Duran Payne from Alabama, and I have him higher on my board than Vita Vea. Um, if you watch his tape against Georgia, which contrary to Vea, that's a really good O line, and he has great tape against them. Uh, I mean, he's also versatile enough to play from the one technique all the way out to the four technique, so he could play pretty much any one of the defensive tackle spots in the three four two five whatever. Um, he's got good pass rush moves, but he fires off the ball is what really gets me. Uh, you know, sometimes he's moving before half the O line is moving. Uh, Deron Payne, I really, really like. I, I, I think that he doesn't have the physical skill set that, say, Ashawn Robinson had, but he plays a lot harder and a lot smarter. So, I mean, if there's a defensive tackle in this draft that they want to, they want to shoot after i would say it would be deron Payne. but where you know our overall assessment is it's certainly not a position of need it might be something if we see if we see a value in a guy that's hanging around like on the board longer than we anticipate, oh yeah we might snap him up but i i don't think it's something that uh you know we're really going to be no crosshairs anything anywhere near high so. no with the amount of holes on this roster he would have to fall ludicrously far for me to to worry about it I mean, I'm I'm kind of just looking elsewhere and trying to fix this team. If I'm mm-hmm. Dave Gettleman, the defensive end spot, on the other hand, I would say is a little bit more of a mess now. Um, you know, with JPP gone, you know, th- th- there wasn't really a whole lot that was going to work in James Betcher's system when he got here, and there were a lot of questions about what Olivier Vernon was going to be. And I think it's pretty clear he's just more of a pass rusher, stand up guy, and not a five technique. He's, I mean, he can. And he has that versatility, but his strength is not that. Um, and now with JPP gone, they quickly added, you know, Kareem Martin from Arizona, who was pretty good at that five and six technique. And, and knows the system. Yeah, and knows the system. Yeah, and Josh Morrow, who also knows the system. But now we found out. I mean, I guess the Giants knew all along, which is why he came on the cheap. But Josh Morrow is suspended for the first four games, so it's sort of a moot point anyway. Now that he's been through the first four games, he can still go through the off season and preseason, correct? Correct. Yeah, he's he's so, allowed to do everything except those first four. He can even yeah, he can play all four preseason games, no problem. So I mean, it's a bit of a calculated gamble, but it's not like you're getting a guy who's in mothballs for years. It's not, it's not like getting a guy who's going to be out for the year with knee surgery and then coming back. So absolutely, yeah. But I mean, here's a guy who signed a one year deal, and now you're not even getting him for that full year. So he was already a stopgap solution. You're also not paying for the full year either. No, no, no. I'm just talking about as far as building a roster goes. So, like, he's he was brought in as a stopgap solution. It's almost positive, you know, in the wake of the JPP trade. And now you need a stopgap for your stopgap. Like, you need somebody to start for those first four games that hopefully is not the guy that you're trying to develop in the draft. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm not really sure what the answer is there. Kareem Martin, I'm not too worried about him. He's not great, but he's pretty good. I have no idea where Kerry Wynn fits in all this. He might be somebody who just kind of moves around the line. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Avery Moss. But Avery Moss just seems like a guy who's just going to hang around a little bit too, right? We don't 
Yeah, there's I no mean, real long term hope for him, right? As a starter or anything, just more of a. I think a he was a guy who had guy. a he had a lot of upside. He was just playing at a low competition because he was at a lower school, um, but he showed a lot of promise. I mean, you saw the field already, you know, with JPP and Olivier Vernon on the roster. So uh, he was somebody that could develop. But now that he's miscast into this three four, I'm not. I'm just not sure how he fits. I mean, and I, you know, I've never met the guy. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I just don't really know what the answer is. And so I kind of looked at this and it's like, there needs to be a long-term solution here. Cause Kareem Martin, I think is a two-year deal. I don't think he's in their long-term plans. Josh Morrow's on a one-year deal and that's pretty much all we've got. So there's definitely got to be a draft solution in here. The obvious one is Bradley Chubb. I actually get to saw him play this year. I was at the Thursday night NC State Louisville game, you know, I was there, I was watching um, Jackson, quarterback, who's, you know, outstanding, but this guy just kind of makes play after play after play, just un- untouchable, you know, the, w- the way he you know, rushed the passer and everything. So you could tell this guy's got, you know, stud all written all over him. The question's going to be, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, what is the, what is Gettleman's plan? Is it to acquire more assets, more draft picks? Or, you know, is it the question of quarterback versus him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly a case to be made for him. I mean, he's probably best as a 4-3 defensive end, but he's more than versatile enough to play that position, which remember, we will be in some 4-3 sets, so that's not a complete disaster if a guy is best as a 4-3 defensive end. But And let's, let's remember one thing also. It doesn't mean we're going to a 3-4 for the next 30 years. True. I mean, you know, coaches could be promoted. Coaches become head coaches. You know, let's say we're, I don't know, 11-5 and five this year, have a great defense. You know, he could be a head coach next year, and maybe we go back to a 4-3. You never know. So just because, you know, we're changing schemes does not mean that we're locked in stone for that for the next 15 years. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean... I mean, obviously, obviously you I mean... Remember, our head coach is an offensive coach. Yes. So he's not locked into a philosophy that, you know, like, like oh, I'm going to run, you know, the West Coast two, offense. Yeah. That's what I run, you know. Yeah. Something. Defense, you know, he kind of normally lets his coordinators do what he does. And if he gets the right guy, you know, it might be something different. So. Yeah, and and as far as James Betcher goes, he with the exception of a couple of guys, he gets really versatile guys that that are chess pieces. I mean, he's mismatches. So you know, guys that can play more than one position and play it well, and disguises. You know, have a guy lined up as a slot corner, and then right before the snap, he comes down to the line and he's rushing. You know, and it's not just a blitz. You know, then you have your outside linebacker dropping into coverage while he's coming. You know, so. He likes guys that are versatile, and that's the way he uses them. And that's what Landon Collins is going to be in this, is going to be like the queen chess piece of this defense. So, you know, Bradley Chubb, he he's – think of him as an athletic freak that's lighter and less strong than J.J. Watt. It's kind of like that, where, you know, I'm not sure J.J. Watt coming out of college was already best fit for a 3-4 defensive end, but – that's, you know, sort of what he does, and then sometimes he's the outside linebacker. Just kind of picture something like that. Um, so 
you know, when I say J.J. Watt, I mean, it should say right away, this is a great get if that's the direction they want to go. There's another guy that a lot of people are talking about. He's really raw because he's coming out of University of Texas, San Antonio, but his name's Marcus Davenport. You know, if if they feel like they can get a year, get by with Kareem Martin and Josh Morrow for a year, Marcus Davenport is another guy I would look at. He's probably still going to go a little too high. He might go in like the teens, but you know, he's he's very good. He he's, he could play all over the field. Um sets the edge well, plays the run, run really well, he tackles viciously, terrorizes quarterbacks, you know, with the right technique and development, which everything he does wrong is correctable. It's just because he hasn't been coached well. Um he will be a monster. Um guys like Deshaun Hand and Rasheem Green, uh Harrison Phillips, I looked at not even really worth discussing. They're not really going to be fits. I don't like their motor. I think well, Rasheem from, Green is really, 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 really average. The guy from uh, Texas San Antonio, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a trade down. We're not drafting him. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I'm still not sure I would take him that high personally, but he w- is definitely a target in that area because he'll probably go in that area. Um, area meaning what? Area in the draft. He'll probably go in that like from pick 10 to pick 20 spot. Some guys that are worth looking at that can be had later, Duke Ejiofor from Wake Forest. Uh, you know, Wake Forest kind of sucks. They're not really big for football, you know. Playing against some good ACC talent. I mean, oh, sure, yeah. Against, you're playing against Clemson. You're playing against Louisville. You're playing against NC State. You're playing against Florida State. You're playing against – I mean, I, I can't dump on the ACC like I used to. I mean, they, they do have some, you know, big-time talent in that, in that conference now. So even though I agree, they yeah, yeah. sucked. So so when I when I watch Wake Forest, the, the thing I keep in mind is that he's probably the best player on the field, and I'm watching it, and he kind of is. And you know, one guy really can't do it all himself. You know, when when a team scouts, you're like, all right, this guy's really good. We'll run the other direction, and that's a yeah, lot of what much. I saw in in his tape. But you know, he might have a little bit of a motor issue. But again, he probably wouldn't be playing every down. You're getting him later in the draft, but he's fast and athletic. He's He's pretty good. He can play the five or six technique, maybe the three technique occasionally. Um, but he's he's pretty good, somebody I would take a look at. And Chad Thomas from Miami, um, he needs to add quite a bit of strength. But other than that, uh, you know, 6'6", 275 pounds. Coming out early? No, senior. Okay. I think he's the only senior from Miami coming out. Everybody else, I think, is an underclassman. Uh, but... You know, he had, he had a pretty good game against Notre Dame, and that's saying something, considering he was going against Quentin Nelson and Mike McClinchy. So, another guy who probably won't play a whole lot in his first year, but could definitely develop into a starting defensive end for this team. Um, other than that, the only other idea I had was to sign Coney Ealy. <laughs> uh, a guy who I really liked coming out in the draft. He came out the same year as... Clowney. Yeah, Jadavian Clowney. Um, you know, if it weren't for Clowney, Coney Ealy probably would have been the first defensive end taken in that draft, no question. And uh, he was instrumental at Carolina. Very good. Um, he's since then um, went to New England and then with the Jets, and he was really good with the Jets last year. So uh, there's an idea. I don't know that they're really entertaining the idea of another free agent since they've already signed two, but... How are we doing on the cap from... Now until 
season starts. How much do we have left to spend this year? The last I heard, they are about seven or eight million under, but that's not including the signing of Michael Thomas, the free safety they got from the Dolphins. And what about spots for uh, rookies? Well, it's hard to say. Currently, they have yeah. X amount of picks, but you know, once you start adding more picks, you need a bigger pool. That's right. So, so I now think that, that yeah. as part of that smokescreen keeping everything on the table they're going to keep a little bit more in that pool than you know jerry reese's regime would have i agree that's why i don't think they'll probably go that way i think you at least want to if you show again it's kind of like almost showing your your cards by Mm -hmm. you know more and more free agent signings yeah for sure uh and i I think they're probably going to need at least six million five six million for the free agent uh the the rookie pool because mm-hmm. you have to remember, they're going to sign undrafted free agents too, and that's still money. So, Right, right, exactly. That's, that's pretty much going to be it for the defensive line. We're going to revisit some guys like Bradley Chubb and Marcus Davenport. In the next episode, we're going to cover outside linebackers. Um, so that'll be next week. And guys, we're almost at draft time. It's pretty close. Less than a month away officially. 26, and we have less than a month to go. We're, we're taping this on a Tuesday evening. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to believe we're getting that close already. Yeah. It seems like you talk about the draft forever. You know, there's things like a long gap in time, but it kind of creeps up on you. And there's still four weeks away, so. Yeah. I'm surprised there's been this much activity already. I mean, I fully expect to see two more major trades. In the NFL? In the NFL. I mean, ones that will impact everybody's thinking on the draft. I mean, I... I have a feeling Cleveland's trading one of their picks and to be determined whether we trade our pick or not. So, all right. So we'll see you next week going over outside linebacker stuff. Um, unless there's another Odell Beckham controversy, in which case you'll hear from us then, I guess. I don't well, well, let's put it this way. Unless it's Odell Beckham news and not noise, you won't hear from us. So there's some legitimate news, whether he, Officially says he says he's not working out in OTAs. He says he's holding out. Or we announce we sign him long term or we announce we trade. Those would be the only three things I think would require us to have an emergency broadcast. If it's more he was banging another stripper or, you know, got in a fight with a kicking net on the street or something, we're not going to probably jump in for that. Yeah. But nevertheless, if something like that happens, you'll find me bitching about how everybody's an idiot <laughs> on Twitter at, at football underscore grump. And I was I was pretty annoyed with the latest shenanigans because it was all horse shit. Um, and people were getting legitimately worked up about it. Yeah, just do just do what we do. And you, I do the same thing on Twitter at the cranky fan. Just, you know, systematically break down what they're saying is factually incorrect. You yeah. know, when you see hyperbole, just call it out. You know, it's just like, does this make any sense what you're saying? You know, so and that, that usually shuts them the fuck up. Yeah, usually. Unless um, it's someone, so someone with a check mark next to the name who just ignores you. So. <laughs> um, besides all that, I, I go more in depth on guys that I watch tape on. So, you know, if you're actually into prospects and stuff like that, um, interesting follow. And all these episodes are bumped at at Just Giants Pod, but they're available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Just Giants, and you'll find our pretty faces right there. Yeah, if you search on either Just Giants or The Cranky Fan or Football Grump, you will find 
this award-winning podcast on there. So download it, subscribe to it, give us a five-star rating, give us a review. The more you do that, the more Giant fans can hear us. And who wouldn't want that's that? Good. Yeah. Who'd want that? You know, who want all of Giant Nation, Big Blue Nation, to hear what we have to say? So you know, maybe of the millions of people that start following us, one might be actually a sponsor and make us super rich. But until that day. Until that day, go Giants. Go Giants.